0: My sneakers were white. My t shirts were white. I was squeaky clean to hide how dirty it felt inside.
1: You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger-Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best fighter's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over, but let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at KarenGoldfingerBaker.com. My guest, Mark Silverman, is my friend, my occasional mirror offering reflections of the me I see and sometimes I'm not willing to see, a father, an ex-husband with a close relationship with his ex-wife, and a husband to his husband. Mark is the best-selling author of Only 10s, the creator and facilitator of the Only 10s online course, the Leadership Resiliency Course, and the Mastering Midlife Master Circle. A powerful executive coach and speaker, Mark hosts a weekly podcast called Mastering Midlife. Today, he's here with us in the Trauma Hiders Club. For some, this conversation has the potential to be one of the most uncomfortable conversations they've ever had. I know you, Mark. I know that you are used to uncomfortable conversations. Where I'm curious is why did you say yes to Trauma Hiders Club, and why now?
0: I said yes to Trauma Hiders Club, one, because I know that this is something that lurks under the surface, With almost everybody I talk to, our childhood, good, bad, indifferent, runs our adulthood, whether we like to admit it or not. Trauma has influenced, you know, almost all of my 59 years on earth. You know, even though I've done tons of work, decades of work, and I've healed in so many ways, and I am full of joy and love and happiness and connection, the shadow of trauma never goes away and you know the last reason is because you're the right person to have this conversation with we've had conversations with a microphone off and shared our traumas our triumphs our struggles you know our freedoms over the years and i think you and i can have a really good conversation with perspective with reverence for the pain and the suffering and with the what's the word i'm looking for perspective of healing all at the same time
1: yeah. I love that, Mark. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. You are someone along the way who really woke me up to the okayness of who I am as a human. What, I don't know if you know that, Mark.
0: I do know that because you've told me that. So yeah. I appreciate that. And I was there when it happened because yeah. you and I laughed and laughed. And we both realized that we're, you know, for me, Realizing that I'm a loser, I've been a loser, and it's okay to be a loser. And that's part of my winning has been the game changer for me, right? Like, so for me to give up on trying to be anything other than the, the broken thing that I was. And again, we're not talking, we're not talking globally that I am a broken being and all that. I'm just talking about finally just admitting that I'm freaking human. And things run me, and they're always going to run me. And when I finally admitted that, guess what? They ran me less.
1: <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that, right? The seeing and the actually expressing and owning that brokenness. Like, yeah, my story is more about I'm a, you know, I'm a piece of shit. I'm, I guess broken was was something I used pretty often in my own story, in my own head, And worked so hard to ensure that nobody saw that, right? That nobody looked over here, they might see the filthiness that I am as a human.
0: When I first got sober, about 30 some odd years ago, when I first got sober, one of the other people in the AA meeting said to me, how do you get your t-shirts and your sneakers so white? And (laughs) I still remember that to this day. My sneakers were white. My T-shirts were white. I was squeaky clean to hide how dirty it felt inside.
1: Amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. You know, so I, I So I I I am always suspicious. The more put together someone is on the outside, I'm always suspicious of what that's covering up because again, like the compensation is is always a tell.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I totally get that. Right clothes for me like right clothes right hair makeup funny as hell right personal tons of friends dying inside
0: <laughs> yeah yeah part of it for me part of it for me was being the nicest guy like every my ex-wife mm. used to say if you walk in a room 50% of the people are going to like you and 50% of the people aren't going to like you except for mark everybody's going to like him so for me being nice being likable you know being that guy that everybody likes was my safety was, you know, it was, it was was all really important to me. It was by design that everybody likes me. I connect with other people first so that I won't get rejected so that it won't be dangerous all because of that childhood trauma.
1: Yeah. Right. Same over here. Same over here. Not necessarily a people pleaser. I don't think I've ever been a people pleaser, but I have been like, oh, Karen so fun to be with. Amazing. Great friend. And Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, what do you want us to know about you that might help other people open up to their humanity?
0: Mm, What do I want people to know? That's a really good question. How spiritually deep do I go? How practical do I go with that question? What I want them to know is that what happened to them and what they think about what happened to them and the beliefs and decisions they made about what they think happened to them is not set in stone for your future. They are things to be dealt with. There are things to be looked at. There are things to be played with, but there is a different trajectory for you. It's not fail complete, just because you were molested, just because you were raped, just because you were beaten, just because people left you alone, whatever your trauma is. And again, the other piece is, your trauma is your trauma. I just get back from a a weekend where we did some belief work, deep, deep, deep belief work. And we went into my childhood. And I never thought of myself as abused as a child. I was sexually, you know, I was molested and there was, was a bunch of stuff that was abuse, but I never thought of myself as an abused child because I was never beaten by my parents, right? I was fed every once in a while, you know, I was hugged and kissed and told, I love you. Well, we go, down, we go back into my childhood and my mother had narcissistic disorder and she was volatile. And we go back into my childhood when I'm three, four, five years old, when I made the decision that my, if I give my mother a hug and a kiss and then I love you every day, everybody will be okay in the house. That my job was a hug, a kiss, and then I love you every day.
1: Wow. And I
0: was then wow. up until this day to almost 59 years old, that for me, making mistakes are life and death. And I didn't understand why making, I I was actually going there to work on my beliefs around leadership so that I can take the next step in my business, and take this next step in my impact in the world. And nothing was coming up around leadership. And it all came back to my childhood of my mother would rage if something stepped out of line. So I walked the line really carefully in order to keep her from blowing up. And for me, when I think about it, that's not abuse. But when, when the person who was facilitating the regression said, you know, think about yourself at five years old, five years old, that's life and death. At 50 years old, that's uncomfortable. It's annoying, right? It's all those things, but it's not life and death. But I took that life and death, that making mistakes. So the women in my life, when they had anger, for me, that was life and death. Right, So I, I would even blow up people yelling at me out of proportion instead of it was just yelling at me. I would also feel like, so I'm an adult man. I'm a strong adult man. I always felt that I was in danger. So when people turned on me, when people yelled at me, when people got mad at me, it felt dangerous. What I know is I felt it felt dangerous because the inner five-year-old was what was feeling those things. The adult man was safe almost all those times, because just because someone's yelling at you, even if someone came at me, I'm a strong guy, I'm safe. So learning those things, learning how the perspective I've had all through my life was tainted by the decisions I made and how I viewed what happened to me as a five-year-old. So I may not have had the abuse that other people have because I know people who have been put on chairs, tied to chairs by their parents and beaten on the feet, right? You know, pushed over and beaten on the feet where you just cry with the abuse. So, compared to that, I was not abused. But as a five year old, when you go back and the trauma that that five year old had, that's this human's trauma. And it's just as important as anybody else. So, I guess what I want people to get is that whatever your trauma is, it was your trauma. And it needs to be looked at and, you know, worked with and let go of.
1: Yeah. Wow, Mark, what responsibility you held in your hands, in your heart, and in the way you had to show up at five years old, right? If you weren't there, the entire
0: world would fall apart. Oh my Great. god, I felt I felt that in my body because I kind of feel that way anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, this I know about you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of feel responsible for. I did a I did a report once when I was in college. I did a report on the Middle East conflict, mm-hmm. and I started working on the Middle East conflict. I did all my 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 research and everything, and I had to go to the professor and I said, I can't do this. I can't solve the Middle East problem, and he says. The assignment wasn't to solve it it was to write about it. I'm like no I can't, I got to I got to choose something else and I think I chose the legalization of marijuana or something like that cuz I said I just can't I can't fix the Middle East. No
1: no stranger to taking on the biggest things and owning them Mark.
0: God if they <laughs> would just give me a chance I could fix this.
1: Right. Right. You really should be at that table. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean right look here we are laughing about it but look how that that pattern of I'm going to write the world you know it starts at 5 and, and the, the weight of that on you in every area of your life. So, Mark, I'm going to go back to the question I asked you. While your response was beautiful and helpful and I gave us some insight, <laughs> you didn't answer the question. So, so go ahead. What was so, the question? So the question is, what do you want listeners to know about you?
0: Oh, what do I want them to know about me?
1: Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You told us what. They should know about themselves.
0: But what's important about you? Oh, I, I, I'll tell you. I know what I want them to know about me. I had a pretty rough childhood. I had a pretty, pretty rough 20s. I was a drunk, an alcoholic, homeless, sex addict, miserable excuse for a human. And I am uh, joyous, free, loving, competent, happy, connected, and just absolutely blown away by the way my life turned out. So just because I was homeless and miserable and you know I didn't have any life skills whatsoever I made money I had relationships I had children I make an impact in the world and I feel joy more often than not so that's what I want people to know about me
1: Dang <laughs> That's stunning really really beautiful How did you get from this sex addict homeless not having direction as you said not having life skills who or what were your helpers. And by the way, I say that specifically to the what, because helpers can be anything from things that are not helpful to things that are truly
0: helpful. Sure. So the first thing was when I was homeless, my brother got me into AA and NA. So I got sober. So that was the first thing. I had someone who cared enough to help me get those substances out of my life. Once those substances got out of my life, I was able to hold a job. I was able to start taking some classes in my 30s and I was able to start building a person. Then I had heroes. For me, George Strait and Jack Ryan were my role models for who a man should be. Jack Ryan is in the in the Tom Clancy novels. Jack Ryan was was my role model of who I wanted to be as a man. So I I used them as, as something I wanted to strive for. And so actually, when you,
1: Jack Ryan, like Jack Ryan of this, there was a series on Amazon Prime.
0: Hunt, Jack- Hunt for Red October. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Clear and Present Danger, all, right. those, all those books. Jack Ryan, I, I read those books voraciously. And the people in country songs, the men in country songs, not the ones who were drinking at the bar, but the ones who talked about, you know, God and love and country and courage mm. and all that. I just used all of that. My ex-wife used to say, you know, you talk about these people like they're your friends. I'm like, well yeah now in hindsight they were they were my role models, right? But then as time went on, it was every self-help book I could possibly read. It was going to men's circles. Now the first time I went to a men's circle, the mankind project mkp.org where I went and I did deep work on trauma. They do deep work and they they teach you you know how to be a better father, better husband, better partner, better man you know, and, and then having relationships with other strong men, that was another thing. And then it was, you know, after I, you know, I, if we're not going over my life story, but I had another breakdown, stone cold sober at, in about 2009, where everything fell apart and I lost everything, my health, my family, my, my career and, you was stone cold sober, but losing everything was the biggest gift that ever happened to me because now I was able to build from scratch.
1: Can we, let's stay there for a minute. Sure. Did the breakdown happen from losing everything, or you had a breakdown and lost everything?
0: Both. It was. It was. It was. It's. It's indistinguishable. And I'm just working this now. Now while we're talking about this, so I don't think I've ever actually explored it this way. What I did was I built a life in reaction to being homeless, to being a loser. I built a life of a winner in reaction to being a loser. Right. So I, I was poor and homeless. I made money. You know, I was a sex addict and miserable. I got married, had kids, right, had a real relationship, that kind of thing. But I did it all to prove I wasn't what I was. Right. You can tell by my white sneakers and my my Lexus convertible and all that stuff. When I lost everything. And that didn't work when, when being the opposite of who I felt I was anyway, You know, because I always felt like a homeless guy or a waiter, even though I was running in circles where we were making millions of dollars. When that all got taken away, now I had to build from scratch. Now I had to find out who am I going to be? Who am I? And what I found out was that really, actually, I'm kind of nobody. We're all kind of a blank canvas. Our whole life has been, you know, the traumas, the 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 triumphs, the the good, the bad, the ugly, all painted who we are. Mark is just a made up thing from all the things that happened to him and all the decisions that he made about what happened to him. So starting from scratch, I was able to now try things on, figure out what fit, become dare I say the word authentic, because I really am not a, not a big fan of the word authentic, but as a, as authentic as possible as a, as a human can be. And now I started building what I wanted to be rather than what I had to be or what I was in reaction to. So the mark that's today, I think is more organic and more closer to who I was born as than who I was created to be. So for me, that that losing everything And again, when I lost, when everything fell apart, I was reading a Pema Trojan book. And Pema Trojan is a Buddhist nun who wrote books like, oh God, I can't, I can't remember the name of her books. Anyway, look up Pema Trojan. She's amazing. But she said, when things fall apart or when, when, when trauma happens, you have two choices. One is to harden and withdraw or soften and open. And I made a conscious decision to soften and open. I made a conscious, conscious, conscious decision that I was going to soften and open. And when I did that, what I learned is that I can be with anybody, no matter what's happened in their world, no matter what they've done, no matter what they've experienced, I can be with them because I can be with mine. I actually was asked to give a workshop for a bunch of veterans with PTSD and was going to go in and I was going to be the guy in the front of the room with a whole room full of veterans with PTSD. I was terrified. And I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, So I talked to someone who who did work with them. And they said, one thing is, don't tell them you have PTSD. Because I had PTSD from my breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I did EMDR and I did all the stuff to work through that trauma. But what I did was in the front of the room, I stood in front of the room, and I talked to them about my experience, what happened in my body, how I felt, how I looked at the world. And I described my trauma. I described my PTSD without using the word. And what happened at the end was they all came up to me and asked me where I served. Hmm. And I've never served. Right. But you described
1: their experience.
0: But they, they, they were yeah. sure that I was a veteran with PTSD. And that was so eye-opening to me. But that couldn't have happened had I not lost everything and decided that I'm an open book and I will share anything and everything if it's going to help another human being. Hmm.
1: That's really, really beautiful, Mark. Yeah. I'm curious about, I just want to go back to the PTSD thing. Is that a diagnosis that you have, or is it that you've taken a look at what PTSD is and you've decided this is my experience?
0: My psychiatrist who I went to for ADD diagnosed me with PTSD. And I was like, you're kidding me. I don't have PTSD, nothing happened so bad to me. He goes, oh no, you have PTSD, you are in trauma. And that was so healing because I minimize, you know, like I always minimize my, my own experience. So that's when we were able to pull out the EMDR and the other things that you do with trauma that help free you from that. And I I still credit EMDR. I can't remember what the acronym means, but it, you know, it's the, it's
1: eye movement desensitization response.
0: Right, so you know the left, right, left, right, left, yeah. right, and so I did that for six months, and what a you know I credit that with saving my life. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. It. I I asked about the PTSD because it wasn't until 2020 that I heard that diagnosis for me. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I've known I've known you for what five years now. Right, like that, that's a shocker to me, and it's not a shocker to me now mm. that now that we yeah say
1: yeah, and you know. On the one hand, I I was like well, no, I don't want a diagnosis, right? I don't want you I don't want, I don't want a diagnosis around trauma. That sounds like <laughs> that's you know, I'm so fucking tough. I've navigated my life. That sounds like something that's for someone else. Right. And as I dug into what is PTSD, hell yes, I have been living the vast majority of my life in a trauma response, hyper-vigilant, navigating the world, don't let anyone get close, wanting connection and disconnecting all over the place. That's been my life.
0: Yeah. I, I got I got um a little bit of perspective this last week. I was at this workshop doing, you know, doing deep belief work with my friend Erin File of Mindfix. And she did a little presentation at the beginning talking about trauma, talking about these childhood things. And one of my problems with this work is I have transcended so much of my trauma. I have transcended so much of my humanity. I don't believe my thoughts. I don't believe my feelings. So I've done a lot of things that have transcended those things. So going back into my mind, delving back into these things, I don't really enjoy it because I found a freedom of letting go of it. But what I know as and when I want to do things on earth, when I want to do things as a human being, these things are going to be in the world. So what she showed was there's a reservoir of trauma in our psyche, you know, in our brain, in a part of our brain, there's a reservoir. And yes, we can go do great things. The problem is those traumas, those beliefs, those things that that happen to us, and what we think about what happened to us are friction to our movement to our actions absolutely so, so i can go be a leader i can go write books i can go stand on stage and do all these things but i'm a little extra drained in fact i'm a lot extra drained whenever i'm extroverted whenever i'm out in the world because i'm moving through the i'm doing them in spite of these anchors right these boat these these boat anchors so removing them working with them letting them go has given me a lightness to you know that that wasn't there before And really now I understand because I'm like, I've done, look, look at the things I've done as a leader. I don't need to do this, but I'm I'm good with this belief work. Oh, but it's been so hard. What if I dropped a couple of these sandbags? Cool. Now it's easier.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. For me, my reference is cement blocks. Yeah. So as I've gone through healing work, again, EMDR, deep trauma-informed therapy, I feel a body that was made up of, I've used the number 12. I don't, I'm not sure why exactly, 12 cement blocks. Each experience has disintegrated those blocks. I'm probably now about one and a half cement blocks. (laughs) So there's, there's definitely work to do, but living a life, you know, having spent the vast majority of my life walking around this earth with 12 cement blocks attached to me, one yeah, and a really half cool. feels glorious. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to dig into what did it take for you to open up to get the support? And I'm, I'm asking that I'm doing that thing that I actually don't like when interviewers do, which is ask a question and then tell, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because um, <laughs> it's my, my show, so fuck the world. So the question is, what did it take from you to open up to get the support and I'm going to detail that that's for me and so many people around me so many of my clients that's the that's the like the scary moment right is when we start to step out into the world and learn with the fear having had the fear that it will fucking burn down if we are ever to reveal the shit storm that's inside of us.
0: Mm. You know why? Because the truth is it will burn down. The truth is it's the the ego has these stories in order to have a sense of self. Mm -hmm. So something does burn down. The shocker is that it's searing pain. It burns down and almost instantly it's freedom but that that instant we that instant is like childbirth when you have the baby you forget the pain of childbirth right i'm assuming i'm a man so you know tell me if i'm minimizing i'm
1: a i'm a mother of two c-section deliveries there was pain afterward
0: but but, but what i'm saying is they <laughs> but there but there was baby, love right so so but for for me whenever i confront my ego whenever i tell the truth yeah. about myself whenever i reveal something vulnerable it's a little death yes. of my ego but it's life for me. I'm not my ego, right? I forget that. So when my ego dies, I think I'm dying. The truth is I'm setting myself a little more free. So the two times that I did get help were because I was in breakdown and there was no other choice. I was living in my truck. I was 135 pounds. I had no place to go. My brother had food, (laughs) shelter, and he said, you're going to AA, right? Okay, (laughs) right? You know, I surrender, But when I finally have shit together, when I'm driving a goddamn Lexus, when I only shop at Nordstrom's, to say I'm hurting, to say things are hard, that's harder. And let's fast forward to now. You know, my nickname is the friendly neighborhood guru, right? The friendly neighborhood Yoda. Like, I know all. I am all wise. I am spiritually amazing. And so for me to go, I can't figure this fucking out. I can't lose these five pounds. I'm a coach. I can't lose these goddamn five pounds. Or this hurts, right? When my when my husband says something to me and I hurt and I react, shit. I'm supposed to be more emotionally intelligent than that. That's when it's really. That's when it you know it gets harder and harder the higher we think we're flying, and and revealing myself even in the small things. I'm leading a mastermind of really powerful CEOs tonight, and they're amazing guys. And I want to be their leader and I want to be strong and I want to know it all and all this stuff. And I'm going to open up with, hey guys, this is what I'm present to about what I want for you guys. This is what I'm afraid of for the group. This is, you know, I'm going to lead with vulnerability. I'm not going to lead with with breakdown. Sure. Right? There's a difference between leading with, "Oh my God, I'm so scared that I can't lead you guys. you know like there's a difference between that and going, what I'm present to is I really want to rush this. Mm. I really want you guys to have the gifts that I know is here for you in the mastermind, even though this is week two, right? So what i'm going what I'm going to do is I'm going to let go of that, but I'm present to it, so I wanted to let it go. You know, there's a very different there's a very different feel there. But right. those little vulnerabilities, I think, for me, are what keep me real and grounded.
1: Love that. Yeah, really nice. Mark, what do you imagine would happen to you, to your world, if you had done nothing? If you had done nothing to heal. I'd be dead. Yeah.
0: Oh no, there's there's several points in my life where that commitment to not making it was stronger than the commitment to life. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. Would be dead and it wouldn't be pretty.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. Your brother loved you enough to say, Mark, this is, w- this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. I've got mm-hmm. food, I've got shelter, and you need help. Yeah, and I'm glad that you had the strength in your breakdown to not give up.
0: That's funny, because you know, I was suicidal back in 2008, 2009, and it was because I had kids and I didn't want to give them that legacy. that yeah. I kept putting one foot in front of the other.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, fu- that five-year-old... Right, that responsible five-year-old gave you a gift.
0: Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, that's this. This is true. It's always a double-edged sword.
1: That's right. That's right. Wow, really, really incredible. What's been most useful to you being here in this space in
0: the Trauma Hiders Club? I will have to say that this is probably one of my most real and resonant conversations I've had on recording it's, uh, you know, I've had some deeply spiritual conversations, I've had some vulnerable conversations, but this one just feel like I'm, I was just thinking about, you know, man, this is, this is one to save, mm. uh, because this is the real grit of what it took for Mark to live a life. The conversation we had, you know, the, the you know, like, if I t- step outside myself, the courage, the grit The grace, the blessings, the support that it took for Mark to have a life up to this point—you know—I think you captured that with your questions and with the space that you created. So that's what that's what I'm left with is wow, this is. This is interesting and the last piece that I'm left with is when you just said you know your 5-year-old saved you you know the other gift that that 5-year-old gave, gave me is that I'll go to the mat for every one of my clients for anybody who comes into my world I'll go to the mat for them and that comes from that 5-year-old you know that com- that commitment to I can make a difference in your world because as a 5-year-old I was making a difference in my mother's world That's right <laughs> You That's know, right. so so I am committed to making a difference in your world if you come into mine I'm putting that on my website but <laughs> so
1: beautiful about that 5 year old giving you those resources is that you're now you're a grown ass man right and your 5 year old doesn't have to be there in strength your 5 year old doesn't have to hold your grown ass man's world together your 5 year old gets to go play now because you have the resources you have the resources to live your life that you didn't have at 5
0: absolutely and yeah. you know, I, I can love and care for my 5 year old and you know i gave him a saltwater fish tank so you know i can take care of, i can care of that take care of that little guy beautiful that's really yeah i
1: love I, yeah i'm hearing a part of you mark that isn't a surprise to me is so tender, but is so tender and luscious and abundant. And I'm really, I'm really honored that we're spending this time together. So tell me, Mark, what are you most excited about in your world? What do you want listeners to know?
0: Oh, what I'm most excited about in my world is the fact that I am almost 59 years old and I'm just getting started. I love Uh, it. About 56, 57, you know, into 58, I was getting tired. It's been a long, it's been a life. (laughs) And, you know, more is being, seems to be asked of me, of the world. Like there seems to be more for me to do. And I'm like, I'm up for it, but I'm not. And I'm tired. And this past year, I've had the, the pleasure of having people in my life who have helped me yet again, level up the again, drop some baggage yet again, find new sources of energy and inspiration so that at 50, almost 59 years old, I'm just getting started with the way I'm going to impact people in the world. And I'm really excited by that.
1: Love that. I, what I really hear in that, and this is new for me to experience with
0: you, Mark, is I hear more peace. Mm. Thank you. People are saying that to me more and more these days. I've had freedom. I've had joy. I don't know that I've ever really had peace. And lately people are just coming up to me and say, you feel peaceful, which I'm like, wow, that's an, inter- that's an interesting new thing for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really, I hear it in you. It's beautiful. So what can listeners do to find you? Yeah. Website, programs, books, tell us, tell us.
0: So uh, you, can find, you can find everything about Mark J. Silverman at www.markjsilverman.com. Mark, the letter J, silverman.com. I run the Mastering Midlife, How to Thrive When the World Asks the Most of You podcast, which I love, writing the book of the same name. My other book, Only Tens, Confront Your To-Do List, Transform Your Life is also on there. So that's how you can find me. Lots of free stuff. All I want to do is if you come in my world, I want I want to impact your world. So that's, that's my goal in life.
1: Love it. Mark, this has been, for me, a, a joy. There were moments where I got choked up and felt myself well up. I'm glad that you are a soul brother in my world, and I'm honored that you are. And I'm forever grateful that we connected. And for you to be a guest on the Trauma Hydrate Club, for me is a beautiful gift, so thank you.
0: Thank you, I can't can't wait to talk to you a year from now when you experience the library of valuable sharing and information and that you're building. A year from now, you're gonna sit down and look at that and be so at peace with what you gave to the world, and I can't wait to have that conversation.
1: Ah, I love that. Okay, so part two, maybe we'll come before a year from now, maybe that'll be part three. Are you willing to come back for more?
0: I'll do this every week with you.
1: (laughs) Love that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.